0: Welcome to another episode of In the Vitrine. My name is Nadia. And my name is Danny. And today we are going to talk about pleats. pleats. Mm-hmm. Well, Danny and I both love wearing pleats. Yes. Um, but we've realized in recent days that we've been wearing it more than usual. And so we thought we'd dedicate this episode to one of our favorite treatments <laughs> of uh, fabric. So what are pleats? Well, pleats, uh, put simply, are um, a fold or doubling of fabric that is pressed um, or ironed into place, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there are very technical and specific names for very uniform types of pleats. Mm-hmm. But in essence, a pleat is just a fold and it could take more organic shapes as well. Right. As we will explore later.
0: Yeah, and of course, I mean, you know, some of the usual pleats we would know would be like box pleats mm-hmm. or knife pleats, but you know, there are also more fanciful types like accordion pleats or cartridge pleats that are much more evocative of what they look like. Yeah. So, Danny, um, you were telling me about a workshop that you went to where you learned a lot about pleats.
1: Yeah, so I went to the Prague Quadrennial mm. in Prague. And I took this workshop by Huang Taijun who comes from Taiwan Mm -hmm. and he is a PhD student at the Royal College of Art and his PhD research is just looking at pleats. Wow. So he knew everything (laughs) there is to know about it. And he was telling us about the long, long history of pleats and like right now, we are always associating pleats with polyester or like with uh, Issey Miyake's Pleats Please Mm -hmm. collections. And I mean, a lot of pleats that we see... That we wear are have polyester in them because they allow high heat to kind of press them into permanent shape. Mm. But the earliest um, examples of pleats actually come from, obviously from natural fibers, and the oldest one is can be found in China in three thousand B.C. There's a, there's a skirt that has remained up till now and it has pleats in silk. Right. And in images and um, like in. Um, Egyptian imagery. You can see that they are wearing pleated loin cloths as okay. well, and they would only have had linen available at that time. Okay. And um, during the in the West during the Elizabeth the First reign in the sixteenth century, you can see a lot of paintings with ruffled colors which okay. are very uniformly pleated and very stark, and create this like ray of light. Uh, it yeah. almost looks like they are in the middle of a sun. You know, with the yes, rays coming. Exactly. And um, but during the Victorian age there was like really a vogue for pleats and they were like short pleats, long pleats that were all over the dresses there was like an excess of decoration and mm. that's when the technology for pleating really came to the fore um where there, there were these special little irons and rollers that were being uh, made to industrialize pleating so i guess that's the first example of industrialized pleating and of course we have the master Mariano Fortuny
0: yeah, well so earlier on we were looking at some pictures of um, special crimping or pleating irons yeah. online which look really fabulous but also it seems to require meticulous care yes. You know, to kind of make the pleats stay yeah. and um, I don't think it was very practical back in the day no. but I think it definitely had something to do with how it just makes what you're wearing look very regal you know there's something about the discipline of pleats that make it look uh, or make it take a second look
1: Yeah and also the fact that the there was something during the victorian era where mm. for example starched collars uh, anything that needed a lot of upkeep meant that you were disciplined and mm. that you were like you you took a lot of uh, effort in your right. presence to be polite to be presentable also that it
0: was sort of um, a symbol of wealth as well right? that you had people who could do it for you (laughs) yeah so well you mentioned earlier Mariano Fortuny and of course we know him as the king of pleats Mm -hmm. Um, and Mario Fortuny who lived between 1871 and 1949 he was a designer who was known for pleating Um, in fact he patented his pleatation treatment and called it Fortuny right Mm -hmm. uh, after himself and I had the privilege of seeing one of his original dresses up close at the Victor and Albert Museum Archive. I was floored by what I saw because it was this um, Delphos dress which was inspired by the draped costume on Greek statuary. Um, And it showed his patented pleating um, technique which shows column-like effect through the patented process of permanently pleating silk. Um, in a way that clung to the contours of the yeah. body. And what I found interesting was that, I mean, the pleats that we're used to are much less refined, right? They are thicker, but these pleats were really, really thin. So it's almost as if it was like really crimped hair, mm-hmm. um, very, very close to each other. You could barely tell that it was pleated from afar, I think. It sort of looks like one uniform piece of fabric. Mm. But then up close, you can see that, you know, there is this... Elasticity that is yeah. achieved, you know, through the pleating. So it's quite um, fascinating to me that something that is probably done for aesthetic effect also um, has an impact on how the fabric behaves and how it moulds or does yeah. not mould to the body.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the the advantages and what people love about also Isemiyaki's pleats pleats yes. cole- collection. The mm. fact that the garments are actually much bigger than than they look because of the pleating that kind of like shrinks them to size. Right. And they allow for... I mean, that's what Tai Chun said too. Like, he, his whole... The whole beginning of his PhD was that he saw this man who had a hunchback and he was wearing a t-shirt. And he was thinking about how our clothing doesn't actually fit all bodies. But if it had pleats, it would like just kind of like open up and contour around the body mm. where it
0: needed to. It's interesting you bring that up because, well, this past weekend, um, after convocation on Friday, I went <laughs> to Jakarta to attend this art fair called Art Jakarta. And, you know, at events like this in Indonesia, I noticed that women would either wear, you know, batik um, mm-hmm. and or they would wear isemiyaki pleats, please.
1: Wow. Yeah. There's something so modern about it.
0: Yeah, and usually, I mean, the older ladies would choose to wear pleats, please. Um, I've seen them wear that on, you know, rather formal occasions. I think because it looks pretty formal, right? It looks like, you know, attention has been paid. You're kind of buying a piece of fabric or a dress that um, looks really nice, really presentable. But at the same time, it's very forgiving. Yeah. You know, and as we age, I think our body kind of becomes um, less than ideal in our minds. And I think wearing these dresses kind of give sort of, you know, this comfort um, without compromising on style. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I have this piece that I bought from Issey Miyake um, on Vestiaire Collective. And it also has like some parts where it's pleated. So it it kind of clings to your body and then yeah. some parts that balloon out right. but they don't balloon out where they are supposed to like by the chest or the mm. or the rear <laughs> right. but like at, at weird spaces and then it creates this strange silhouette that it it's almost like going anti the natural body so mm. it, it makes it feel yeah it makes me feel like I don't have to be afraid of like what it's showing or what yeah what it's not showing like what it's clinging to or right. what it's not
0: is it the amazing blue one that you wore yeah. last Monday Okay, yeah. I can remember it because it's amazing because like you were showing me how actually the pleating happens I mean there are different kinds of pleats right different yeah. widths And then it kind of goes in different directions as well. But it's all on one piece of fabric. So it's not sort of joined up or sewn on. Some
1: parts are not pleated. And then it seems that it's been weaved in. Yeah, I don't understand the technical aspects there. But I can see that some parts of it have been woven. And Mm. some of them have been... It's almost like they've been woven pleated. Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's really fascinating.
0: And, I mean, you know, the I wore a pleated skirt for our photo shoot. Yes. <laughs> for In the Vitrine. Um, because I thought that for some reason, I thought, well, wow, that would be an amazing thing to wear for um, something to define our podcast when we weren't <laughs> quite sure what it was. Um, so, yes, I wore this um, green pleated skirt. And what I liked about it was that it just sort of gives some interest to what I'm wearing, right? As opposed to just wearing something that is a singular piece of fabric. I like that someone or a machine at least kind of did something extra to that piece of cloth. You know, it feels like then it elevates um, that piece of cloth and I like to put it on my body to kind of show that, you know, I take care of my appearance. <laughs> I, I care how I look. Um, and something else that we were talking about when we talked about pleats was the fact that school uniforms
1: use pleats as well. Yeah, in general, a lot of uniforms do use pleats. I wonder why that is. I think it's because they they allow a bit of expansion Mm -hmm. and so even though you might have the same waist size, maybe the hips are different sizing Mm -hmm. and then it allows for, I mean, the fact that they are uniforms kind of implies that it's a uniform size but human bodies are all different. Right. And also I think the fact that
0: pleats also allow for movement. Yes. Because um, I'm thinking if it's just, I mean, the fact that it is made of excess fabric means that when you move, there's more give yeah. and you can kind of be freer to move, you're more mobile. Um, but I was also thinking about the fact that
1: pleats can be quite difficult to take care of as well. Yeah, so um, there's that contradiction of movement, yeah. but at the same time, so much... Restriction restriction for, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I remember when I was in school um, and I was of an age when I could iron my own (laughs) clothes and I would have to iron the pleats on my school skirt and it would be just very painful. Yeah. Because you got to get it like really um, crisp and, you know, for it to look nice. And if you don't, then it sort of has like a wobbly shape, especially at the point where it folds from the waistband.
1: Yeah, and again, that idea of, like, discipline and having to take care of something and to be presentable.
0: Yeah, and then if we think about other garments with pleats, because now it seems like, you know, pleats are not just in fashion for one season, or, like, it goes out of style and comes back in style, but that it seems to have this really um, perpetual pull uh, on our imagination in fashion, I'm just thinking about another garment I've been talking about with my students the past week and that's the sari. And um, my students from India were telling me that, well, you know, even though the sari seems like a very static, Kind of silhouette, a static kind of garment, but actually the fact that there are 28 states in India, there are different ways of wearing the sari in all the states. Oh, yeah. And of course, we know that it's a piece of cloth, it's a five meter long piece of cloth um, in various kinds of fabrics like silk or polyester or cotton or whatever it is and what you do is you wrap it around your body Yeah. but then because it's such a long piece of cloth the excess again that we were talking about earlier Yeah. Um, then the, the wearer will have to decide like how do I pleat it right how do I fold it how do I pleat it where do I tuck it in where do I let it give out how do I throw it over my shoulder with a mm. palu um, so I find that also really fascinating and I understand that you know there are just so many ways to do it and it's really about being
1: limited by just human creativity, right? Yeah. And uh, this reminds me of something I came across a while ago. Like, we showed some of their films in class before. And this is um, an Indian collective called uh, Border and Fall. Okay. And they have this particular project called the Sari Series, where they've kind of archived 89 types of pleating the sari. And they've named them after different areas in India. Hmm. And... But at the same time, like one minor change can completely be considered a new pleat. So yeah, you're right. We are only limited by our own imagination on yeah. how we could pleat them. And they they look so they they can have uh, vastly different silhouettes and they look so smart and but they can also look so um voluminous mm. and and more romantic and sometimes they look starker. Yeah.
0: And I mean, for this is sort of how you would wear the sari itself. Mm-hmm. So it is very much to do with the garment. But I'm also thinking of um, how designers have used pleats as decoration. So like as yeah. an added on to the garment. Um, recently, shimagam a local women's wear label, came up with um, a series of garments where they have pleats. They kind of have a gradient in color, oh. and it's kind of added on like to the shoulder of the top, Um, I mean the skirts as well, it's quite interesting how the pleats and that gradient of colour come together and give movement.
1: Yeah, and literally too, because unlike embroidery or print, this would open up and like close and it, it follows the movement of the body. Yeah, so there is um,
0: definitely, you know, I mean, the, the garments themselves are quite fitted, you know, but the fact that there is this additional pleating um, to decorate that look, right, I find quite fascinating because previously I would think about more like, oh, it's just a pleated skirt or a pleated dress. Um, but, you know, to think about that is, is interesting. And also, I'm thinking about how pleating is not just a technique, of course, that is mm-hmm. for fashion or for garments, um, but also in terms of origami. Yeah. Um, And I keep thinking about this thing we used to do when I was a kid for Chinese New Year as well. You know, we would have these things, we would make like lanterns or... From ang From Yeah, (laughs) from red packets. So red packets would be, you know, these packets, um, paper packets that are red in colour and then you put money in it to give to children during Chinese New Year to the elderly during Chinese New Year. And what we would do would be to use them, uh, the red packets, to make decorations, like things that you would hang from the wall or from your door. Um, and that's also using pleats. And I think what I found interesting about that or what I liked about it when I was a kid was the fact that you just had to sit there and you were like totally focused on the task at hand, you know. It kind of, it's kind of therapeutic as well, you know, desire of pleating. Yeah
1: is infinite possibilities.
0: Yeah, and you were telling me about factories um, that exist in London and I'm sure elsewhere as well yeah. where they do very interesting kind of pleats.
1: Yeah. So then there is that there is that question of what is a pleat because some of them look like um smock smoking and um, and some of them are more textural and some of them are meant to open and close mm. and, and close to allow for movement. So there is, for one technique, there's like an, lots of different possibilities. Yeah. And we used to have a factory in Singapore that did pleating. And, but it's closed down. And I think it's just, maybe yeah. it'll come back in vogue.
0: Okay, <laughs> so now what do people do if they need to pleat something in Singapore? Do you have um, to do it by hand, on their own?
1: You could do that. Okay. But, but only if it's polyester. But they, they would send it out um to China for okay. larger quantities. Right well, maybe this is
0: something to do for slow fashion, right? Yeah. You could just really get down to it and
1: meditate while you're doing this <laughs> yeah, um, that, technique. that's what Taichun said too. He showed us this video of uh, this paper folding um, artist called Nishimura Yuko. And mm-hmm. you can find that video on YouTube. And she talks about folding as this like meditative I- idea. It's almost like praying. Okay. And now uh, it's very calm in that very Japanese Zen right. style. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now I'm just thinking about Marie Kondo <laughs> <laughs> and how to fold my clothes properly. I don't find it therapeutic, <laughs> by the way. Um, okay, so I guess that's it for today. Yeah. Our A short
1: history of pleats and. Yes.
0: Yeah, and maybe now you will all go back home and look at your wardrobe and see what items of um with pleating you have in your wardrobe because. Honestly, when we saw each other wearing so much pleats, we were like, huh, we better talk about this. Yeah, and well, yesterday I wore another pleated dress, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, this local label called Collate the Label, and it was just like pleats at the end of this off-shoulder dress. And, you know, just that added detail was really nice. It was um pleats in kind of like uh, foam green, uh, sea foam green and also blue. And, you know, it just adds that little something extra um, that makes the outfit. Yeah, on that note, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of In The Vitrine. If you like what you hear, please follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes. We would really appreciate it. And please do share your thoughts with us through Instagram in the comments or send us a DM. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Bye.